Hello and welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Wesley Johnson. Just in case you found this show randomly, I guess I'll begin with an explanation. Unscripted, an indie film experience, is a yearly short film showcase hosted by the Davis County Public Library in Owensboro, Kentucky. Created by director P.J. Starks, the series consists of screenings, Q&A sessions, and live commentaries featuring filmmakers from our region and beyond. We recently decided to spin this event off into its own podcast, so here we are. Our first episode features a conversation with the folks behind the great comedy drama, A Wedding Like That. They walk us through the project from concept to completion. So, with all that said, let's cue the fiend music. what movie they're here to promote, and I guess what role they played in the movie. Well, I'm Mark Dessauer. I'm the writer, executive producer, and one of the stars. Cindy Maples. Uh, I am one of the other stars and producer. Mm-hmm. I'm Neil Keelan. I'm one of the directors. And I'm Lewis Cheney, the other director. All right, cool. So now that that's out of the way, everybody will know who's talking. Let's start with you, Mark, I guess. Uh, Tell us how the idea first came to you and how you fashioned that into a script. Well, it came to me. I had to do a monologue. And I was looking at monologues, and I thought, these are all terrible. So I'm going to write my own monologue. So I wrote a couple of pieces. And one of the ideas I had was about a father who finds out his daughter is gay. Okay, so I wrote the monologue. And uh, did that. Then, sometime later, uh, they very wisely hired me to be in another film they directed uh, called Quiver. And they were very professional, and it was a great experience. And this young guy wrote it. And I thought, God, he's like 25. You know, he wrote this. Not bad. You know, this is happening. I thought, why can't I do that? I can't do that. <laughs> so I thought, well, what's the idea? So I, if I remembered that monologue I did. I thought, this is an idea. I can make a, well, I can work on this. So I wrote out for a little a short uh, synopsis of it. Then I wrote out a couple of the scenes and I sent it to Cindy. I said, what do you think of this? And she said, she gave me some support and some ideas, encouragement. I thought, okay. So I wrote a little bit more and a little bit more. And I thought, okay, I think I got something here. And I worked on it. I um, sent it to a uh, script consultant, and she gave me an eight-page summary of her ideas and what should be fixed and what's good, what's bad, what, whatever. I thought, okay. And I thought, well, I really want to do this. What, how do I want to get this done? And I remembered these two guys. I thought, because I had worked with other people, mm-hmm. and I thought, if I really want to do, to do this right, who would I want to do this with? I'm going to get Neil and Lewis. So I called them up, met with them, them the script, and they liked it. And that's where it started. Was this your first script that you'd written? Yes, this was my first script. Yes, was but that had been in theater for many, many years? Uh, Which so is how he knew me. Yeah, I knew Cindy. So I was not unfamiliar with. 
structure of the script, what needs to happen in scene to scene. That's what I was going to ask because, yeah. like, as an aspiring writer myself, like I've uh, had an idea kicking around in my head for a long mm-hmm. time, but I just have trouble tackling the, like the script format. Like, as a first timer, like, what was most valuable to you when you were like, with just the experience with the theater, or did you like read books or? Yes, uh, all that. I, going with that script consultant really helped a lot too. She opened my eyes. Was that somebody from around here that you knew? No, I found her online. Okay, and sent it to her. And um, one thing, I mean, just there's a lot you you read and just you start writing, you start doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I rewrote so many times. The beginning was totally different. I rewrote the ending many times, and happened even during the production, it was changing. I think I remember, like, uh, you brought it to the writers group in Evansville. I think you maybe Probably, read it. Yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, those, like, uh, those groups are really valuable for me, just as somebody yes. who wants to get into it. Like, it's, yeah. it's great. Like, there are so many, like, people around here that I think maybe, like, the audience of this podcast, like I said earlier, I want it to be aspiring people who want to get into it, but may- maybe you think we're in Owensboro. There's nothing going on around here. Like, that's just a great way to get plugged in and see that there are very talented yeah. people around here. Yeah. I mean, with social media, there's mm-hmm. no reason not to get plugged in. Yeah, for sure. If I may throw one sure, thing yeah. on Please. the script writing thing, and you guys jump in as you feel. But script writing is a whole lot different than anything stage-wise. So mm-hmm. if somebody's got a background in that, going from where you're trying to hit the back of the house to where you're trying to hit a camera a few mm-hmm. inches away and having to get things done visually and all is a lot different world. Mm-hmm. And I know Mark and we had a lot of discussions yeah. about this, me and him and Neil did. And it's just a whole different world for what else you write. It, my advice would be watch films, listen for good lines, read scripts, and just learn the format and learn that you, you know, it's not just all about the dialogue, it's also about what you show and it's about a lot of really heavy character development and what you can do to show that rather than say it. Sure. And that's what Neil, I think, is one of, what's the line that you typically... Uh, we talked about sea duck, say duck. Yeah. You want to explain that? Yeah, basically, you don't have what I call the super friends effect. A lot of a lot of first time writers will have their character say, "I'm going to knock this door down," and then you see the visual of the guy uh, knocking the door down. You don't have to say it. Yeah, um, we are going to see it. That's something that that comes from stage writing, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where you mm-hmm. have where somebody in the back of the audience may not see exactly what you're doing, so you have that both that see and say. You don't need that, right? You're like off stage stuff. Yeah, the camera's going to be right on top of you. Okay, you're doing that. Uh, yeah. that makes and, sense. and that's so. one area that I didn't have any um, expertise in or any knowledge of writing for the screen because uh, all my background was on stage, and that's mm-hmm. very dialogue heavy. Was this the first thing you guys had shot that you didn't write? No. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we've done other things back and forth for folks. We've done a lot of stuff of our own, but I think in the last couple of years we've done a couple of films that were written by other people. So no, this wasn't our first venture. And it, film, just like anything else, for us, both coming from a TV background, mm-hmm. coming from doing commercials or whatever, you're oftentimes you're doing what other people want, so you're having to work within their world. So you can write so far, but then they'll say, well, I like this, I like this. So in that essence, we've worked for a lot of people in that way. Sure, sure. And Cindy, uh, did you come into it right away? or I came in pretty early because he showed me the yes. script. And one thing I knew, if I want this to be successful and be the level I want it to be, I need Cindy. <laughs> I, 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 I absolutely thought that. I want Cindy... 
I think he just wanted to do a bedroom scene. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't live up to his expectations. No, the car no. scene did. The car scene did. Oh, yes. I do the bedroom scene that, that, that car scene was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, so did you write that role with her in mind? Because, I mean, it's... You should see the outtake. Like, yes, like, no. like, yeah, I mean, uh, yes and no. I mean, I thought that would be the prototypical person I would like to have mm-hmm. as my wife. So <laughs> he doesn't mean that, Vicky. No, as, as a wife in that movie. That, that's yeah. I mean, it, if it, every, everybody was perfectly cast. Like, uh, how did you uh, find the actors? I know there are a couple uh, Ronnie and a couple people from Louisville. Well, right? all of these that, uh, I we all kind of work together yes. on that, but I kind of organized all of sure. it, making sure that um, everybody showed up when they were supposed to. Uh, we held a casting call at the library in mm-hmm. Evansville, put it out all over social media, which was kind of my responsibility is taking care of social media. Which, by the way, she is a queen. Yeah, just so you know, <laughs> she's awesome at that. So, um, just, yeah, we had a great response to the casting call. We had so many people to choose from that it was, it was really hard, really, mm-hmm. really hard to make yeah, decisions. That, that's, that's refreshing because I know, like, uh, as It's far a as great I, problem to have. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I think it's something that there are a lot of people that do films around here, and mm-hmm. a lot of people will write a script specifically for people they've worked with. Right. Yeah, that's great. And good. I think they're taking away from something. The, uh, the opportunity to, to find new talent or find a different direction for a character they've written that they didn't think about. Right. Um, I think that we got taken that direction a couple of times when we were casting for a wedding like that, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Because we very easily just could pull from the same pool of actors that everybody around here pulls from. And I think it made a better film. Yeah, we had um, one uh, woman from Chicago come down to audition, oh, wow. um, and actually she wound up playing uh, the pastor in the what in uh, the wedding scene. And she's come down a couple of times. It was like a four and a half yeah. hour drive or something like that. She's amazing. Wow. Um, and then uh, Sarah McDonald, who plays the um, middle child, right? Yeah, she would be the middle yeah. child. Um, she came in. And we just loved her immediately. We're just like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. She, she's she's going to be one of our main daughters. And then we found out she was 16. Oh. And we were like, so we had to start rethinking We, we had that problem on Bottoms of Blood. Yeah, so we were like, because she read so much older than yeah. that. You know, and then and she, she looks older. And she looks yeah. older than that. Um, so, but we still wanted her, so we were like, but we just had to shift a little bit on that. And then Kevin Arnold came in. Oh, yeah. I love that. Who plays the son. And he stood next to Mark when he, Mark and him did a scene together. And everybody in the room just went, do you see this? (laughs) They look like father and son. I mean, it was just, it was a given. It was like, that one's done. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. I mean, he had a very small role in the film, but he's also one of the most memorable characters. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff now, and it's amazing, his range, because we, we showed uh, uh, no, no more messages. Mm-hmm. We showed that a few weeks ago. Man, that was like a tearjerker. Like I'd never seen him in anything that serious. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was really good. Really Just good. Speaking on your casting though, with, with Jeff Albertson, when he came oh, in, yeah. it was so funny because Mark was reading against him. And <laughs> if you've ever met Jeff in person, you see him on the film, and it's one thing. But Jeff is one of these guys that. He's like Mongo. You shoot him, you're just going to make him mad. Yeah. <laughs> you can strike like a match on his jaw. He's that yeah. kind of guy. He's just he's that rugged of a guy. Yeah, he's mil- in the military. Yeah, he did all these years. stunts and stuff too. And when he does the scene with Mark, where he shakes his hand at the end, he grabbed Mark and about flung him through a window yeah. in the library. <laughs> and we all went, "That's him. Yeah. That's the guy we're looking for." Because we need somebody to be that really big macho guy who comes out and says, "I'm doing this." 
because I have to stay this way, but there's there's something inside of me that's more than that. Right. And Mark, with Mark and him doing that scene, he knew instantly Jeff was that guy. Did you guys know Todd already? Uh, they Todd Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we were Local kind of, we were we definitely pulling for him yeah. to to come in and knock our socks off, which yeah. he did. So yeah, Todd, that was yeah, and one I wanted to mention about Sharon Dennis too. She was one actress I really wanted in the production. Mm-hmm. I thought she, when I worked with her before, she was terrific. I thought, I want her. And for me, it was Ronnie. I I wanted to work with Ronnie for a long time. So for me, I was like, we got to get Ronnie. And you can't can't say too much about this either. We got Megan in there. Megan, uh, without going into a lot of detail, it was a last-minute cast on the day of shoot. We had some issues come up. And we had to call out quickly to get somebody. Mm -hmm. We had a production day going. At that, you know, at that point, money's being spent, so you're like, we need to save the day if we can. She drove up from Nashville, sat down with the script for half an hour, and banged out the first day's shooting. Wow. Yeah. Scene, yeah. Right out of the gate. And we went, okay, yeah. she's really good at what she's doing. So we, I mean, it was really, I know everybody says this every time they make a film, you have a really good cast and all, but we really did. We really yeah. had a good dream cast on this. Like, as far as, like, you mentioned, like, uh, production and money, like, budgets and stuff, like, how hard was that for you guys to, to like, how hard is it to wrangle money? Like, do you do Mark, Mark is still into loan sharks. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I think his legs are being threatened on a daily basis with emails. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah it was all self-financed. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, with the Williams Blood, there was, like, a Kickstarter, but it, yeah. it didn't make a whole lot. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're had Most of them don't. That's yeah, well, there were a lot of, like, uh, like... At Fridays, we had like a, a silent auction sort of thing, sort of a little, a few things like that, and you know, we had to make some some concessions, but overall, it turned out okay. I'll tell you what, though, this goes back to something that we we've all lived. There's no such thing as a no budget movie. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, you will spend five dollars for a sandwich. Yeah. You will spend money for water. You will do whatever. If you're smart, keep your crew fed and watered. That's the main thing. Because if you don't, you're going to have a lot of grumpy people. Yeah. But it doesn't take a whole lot if you do it as a group effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked on films where it's everybody, what can you bring? I'll bring a casserole dish. Well, how about you bring this? We'll be, we all come together, and it's just this whole big luncheon because all of us are footing the bill for right. the film because we all got a best of interest in it. And we sure. got amazingly lucky with our locations, too, which yeah, there's some great locations. is just absolutely phenomenal. And that came from, you know, us going to IFM meetings yes. and just saying, hey, we're getting ready to make a movie and we can do some locations, and they just came out of the woodwork. Yeah. It was boom, amazing. Boom, boom. Yeah, it was okay. Which just goes to show how important networking is yeah. you do make a film. Exactly. Even on, oh, especially on the lowest level, level. Yeah. the local levels. How often would you think about the budget? Uh, no, I paid everybody. Okay. I thought they were very important for their services, for their talent, mm-hmm. uh, for their, just their time. Uh, make sure everybody got paid because they certainly did not get paid what they were worth, but everybody got paid. And it's like a project like this, I can see like everyone loves it. Like everyone I know that's been involved with it, you can tell they all have a lot of heart. And like I know, I know like they, they, everybody did the best they could to make it work, and it worked incredibly yeah. well. I, I can't say enough nice things about the movie. I've sang, sung its praises to several people, uh, but. It, it, like one of the best books I know while on the subject of uh, budgeting about filmmaking and granted I don't have that much experience in filmmaking like have you guys read Rebel Without a Crew the Robert Rodriguez yes. book it's so good he uh, <laughs> when he made El Mariachi which mm-hmm. was the precursor to Desperado which, which was the Anthony amazing. yeah uh, it's his film journal when he made it he did things like medical tests to himself and everything mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing book he, I, I read uh, uh, who the 
can't think of his name. Bruce Campbell lost lost the name. His his book was really good. Those are both really good books that cover like grassroots filmmaking and the links some people go to. It's it's pretty amazing what some of those guys did. Uh, are there any books like that that like have helped you guys along the way? Uh, being in a library, I thought I'm I should bring to that up. The book and I, I'm lose it. I think it's Vicky Keene that wrote. Yeah, it's How to Write a Movie in 21 Days. That's it. Is is a really good script writing book. There's also a producer's handbook that you can get on Amazon.com that that just basically covers everything Hollywood style production from A to Z. Mm -hmm. And if you know nothing about filmmaking, once you finish reading that book, it's like having filmmaking one on one. And you've also brain. you've also got so much stuff online now right. too. Yeah. A lot of the film school things that'll teach you all of this, and you can Google anything and mm -hmm. find out how to do it or how somebody's done it on an indie budget. And the way we did it's not the way somebody else would do it. Mm -hmm. No way is wrong. Everybody's way is different. But if you want to find out about it, just Google it. And the biggest thing we've all talked about this, do it. Don't talk about it. Do it. Because everybody you meet, and you're probably the same way, every person you meet, you know, I've got a great idea for a screenplay. <laughs> and you go, then write it. Then right, you know, exactly. I've got a great, a good idea for a movie. Then make the movie. Because the only way you're ever going to learn, and I applaud anybody that does this because it's not easy. It's a hell of a lot of fun, mm -hmm. but it's not easy, and it takes it takes it's a lot, lot of fun until you're time. you know curled up in the fetal position <laughs> crying because everything's well, going wrong. Well, we won't we won't go there for that eighteen hour day that we worked one time. We, uh, it happens to everybody, but you have to just you know overcome that. Well, Let me take that one step further too. What Lewis was saying. <laughs> one thing that I've I've been talking to a lot of other filmmakers in the area, and one thing that I always hear is like, well, I don't have a DSLR, or I don't have lights or I don't have this it's like don't let those limitations stop you if you've got a good story take that camera and start shooting now it may not be great right out of the gate but four or five films into this you know when you have a different short that you're showing you're going to have improvement each and every yeah time. and like the iPhone don't, camera you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't let if you don't have like the tool that your neighbor has mm -hmm. You know, uh, tools are just tools. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to use that tool correctly. If you've got an old hammer and you know how to build a house, you can still build a house. Very true. If you have a new hammer and don't know how to build a house, that hammer is not going to do you any good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter whether you have a red or an old DVX 100 or your, like you said, your iPhone. Mm -hmm. Take what you have and make a film. Yeah. Because in the process of it, you're going to get more skilled as you go along. So don't let people tell you because you don't have something you can't. I read something the other day I thought was funny. It said this guy had shot some photos or whatever, and he went to this lady's house for a dinner party, and she said, I love your photography. You must have a great camera. So he had this big, lavish meal at her house and goes, that was a wonderful meal. I bet you have a great stove. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So true. Because he's right. It's not, it's not the equipment. You know, you take somebody, Michelangelo, give him a... Give him a set of kids' paints, right. and that's what he'll do. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying if it's there and you've got the heart for it, like Neil said, grab whatever tools you've got and get it done. Did you guys rent equipment, or do you guys have your own? We have our own. We've okay. got our own production company, so we've got our own scattered between the two of us over the course of time. We've so rented in the past, yeah. Yeah. But, but for short for short films, it's not really cost effective. I don't think. Yeah. Because. Most of the time you're going to be shooting on the weekends, and then you're going to have to buy those packages every weekend. Right. And the planning just, I mean, it's sometimes you get on a, how can I explain this? The best, the best way I can say is sometimes you get on a set, and everything that you had planned goes right out the window. Mm -hmm. So if you rented that, that 12 to 35 millimeter lens for your camera, and you get there, and all of a sudden that's not going to be the focal length that you need, well, you just wasted 170 bucks for that. Yeah. So that, those are budget breakers, but over time, you know, we've, we've made purchases, we've bought lights, we've bought cameras, we've bought sound equipment, and we're going to constantly be upgrading and buying stuff, but, but yeah, I mean, 
the books, and you go back and you're talking about like films that were made, like what Robert Rodriguez did. Mm -hmm. He did that on film. Now mm -hmm. that's an I yeah. mean, ex expensive thing. Right. Nowadays, you're talking about your phone and your camera. You, Camera on your phone, your phone on your camera, I'll put it out. <laughs> or any of the tools that you have, and it's so much easier now to make films than it was when we all were starting out in this thing when we were kids. You know, we're looking at Super 8 stuff, it's what he used to do with his friends. And it's like, even then, you have to get the Super 8, you have to get it developed, you got to know a little bit more about it. It's a, it's a lot more of an involving right. task than it is now. Yeah, and like not to continually cite books, I am the librarian person here, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how familiar uh, you guys are with The Room, like one of the worst movies of all time, but it's kind of beloved for its badness. The Tommy was already, yeah, we've had Greg Stero out a couple of times. Really? Like, he, yeah, he said we record a podcast with him up here. He's uh, he's a good guy, but he wrote a book about The Room, uh, Disaster Artist, and now James, James Franco is actually turning it into a movie. Now, yeah, I, I talked to him the other day, and he's uh, yeah, he said uh, the early footage is looking really good with that, but in that book, he mentions that. Tommy, one of the many things that he didn't know about was leasing equipment. And like this movie, like, you know, anybody could have made it for probably 500 bucks, but he ended up spending like 5 million just because he bought everything. And wow. he also bought an HD camera and a like 35 millimeter camera. And like that film was shot with those two cameras in a custom rig, like right beside of each other. So in theory, there could be a 3D version of the room <laughs> put out. But yeah, that's why in that movie, that's why in that movie, you see every scene is just slightly off centered because the cam the way the camera rig was built. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, you don't need the fancy equipment. I, I agree for sure. When you, I will say this too, and, and it just came up again in my feed a couple of days ago about the accident that it got the girl killed on the train tracks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing I will tell you, and I'm, I'm a big, big, big proponent of safety. Mm -hmm. Just because you see it in the movie, you think you know how it's done, and you watch how the big boys do it, if you're going online researching it, do more than that because they may not really know what they're talking about either. And when you start messing around, particularly if you're going to have a film and you're playing with gunfire, unless you're doing it digitally, and if you are, please light the whole room up because when a gun goes off, it lights a whole room up. It doesn't just light up in front of the barrel. Just a note for you guys out there. But if you're going to be playing with guns, you're going to be playing with blanks, you need to have somebody on set who knows about those things and how to handle them because you think, oh, I'll just shoot you with a blank and it's fine. There's a lot of hot powder and a wad coming out of the end of that gun. If you're close to somebody, they're going to get injured or killed. Right. So anything you're going to be doing that could be a stunt or could be whatever, make sure you do your research. That's kind of what happened with Brandon Lee, right? It wasn't yeah. the wad yeah. that got him in. No, it wasn't a wad. Was it no, what happened with him was they had shot a scene and somebody forgot to take the cap out, the primer, uh, okay. and it popped the lead loose into the barrel. So when they put a blank in behind it to shoot the next shot, scene, shot the, the barrel, the lead was sitting in the barrel. Yeesh, yeah. And he basically got shot with a three fifty seven magnet. Sure. Oh, so, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, not, just, not just guns, but if you were on a ladder. You know, I mean, you, so many things. You as a director may have signed a waiver for those guys saying if you get injured on set, that's a deal. But if you put them in a dangerous situation, that waiver's going out the window. Right. The volume's going to tear you apart. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're building a fire, make sure you have fire extinguishers. Just make sure that you have everything that you need that could potentially go wrong with you. Devil's advocate. Yeah. And contracts. Mm -hmm. Contract everything because if you don't and you get in there and somebody, you know, you're shooting on a location and you finish shooting and you don't have a contract, they can come back and you like, you can't use any of that. I've heard of that happening before. And anytime I deal with anybody, there's always a contract. There's all kinds of them out there. Modify them a little bit to fit you. If you can afford to have somebody, if you got somebody that's a friend that's an attorney, have them look at it. 
put everything on contract so everybody knows what they're supposed to get at the end of this because if all of a sudden you make the next Blair Witch Project, you want to make sure how that's supposed to be distributed when all of a sudden the money comes rolling in. Yeah, we learned a lot. Look, that's, uh, Volumes of Blood was a good lesson in that because, like, you know, I, I was a producer, but uh, I was kind of more, like, publicity-wise, I guess, with social media, like uh, I did the Twitter. Uh, but it was cool to see all this stuff, you know, from concept to completion and, like, uh, see the contract stuff and just kind of be there. And I, I really wish we'd have done more behind-the-scenes stuff with that because it would have been a fantastic reality show. We had a hard 2 a.m. deadline to get out of the building. From 6 to 2 a.m., we were in here working. And, like, there were several nights where, like, all the gore and stuff we did, like, we would go up until like one thirty, and then have 30 minutes to clean it up and be outside of the building. Like, And that's something you really have to take into account. I mean, you're yeah. using other, in this case, for a wedding like that, we were using other people's houses. We had to be very, very conscious of everything mm-hmm. that we did. Be careful with their floors. You put down rugs to make sure you don't destroy their floors. Bill, though, it didn't matter. We pulled that right out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got really lucky with a lot of things on that production. Yeah. How long uh, did you guys shoot for? It was 11 days. Uh, 11 11 days. days. 11 days. Yeah. And they now, so we can. So that's, yeah. 11, that's 11 days on a yeah, 30. How long was the script? 33 pages, uh, like yeah, 30 ish pages. The wedding day was the longest, yeah. it was yeah. it was a long day and a beautiful day. Too. It was yeah. we, late, it was like the last weekend in October, and yeah. we're like, it's either going to be snowing or you know, Raining and it was. Perfect. It was so beautiful. beautiful that people were outside using chainsaws and, <laughs> yeah. and ruining our sound and the entire sound. time we were there. And literally, we would wait for it to stop. And then go, and we'd go, go. <laughs> Eight o'clock at night, there's some guy in a tree somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over your sound. Yeah, the guy from Jackal lives around there. Yeah, it almost <laughs> became a horror movie. Uh, yeah. So, any like any kind of horror stories or anything you want to like share with budding filmmakers out there? Horror Did it all go pretty smooth? No. It, went, it was... Not perfectly smooth. Mm-hmm. Nothing is. Right. Uh, there are some disagreements. Handled very professionally. Um, but that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You put a room full of creative people together. You're going to have those. The good thing about it is work with them, work them out, do what you can to, to and solve listen, everything. listen to each other. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. If somebody may have a great idea and you know come up with something that you never thought of and it will be an amazing thing yeah and i have always prided ourselves on that it doesn't matter who on the crew it is if they've got an idea throw it out there because if you don't throw it out then there's a chance we won't know what it is and as directors a lot of times you get tunnel vision Mm -hmm. you know you you know exactly what you want this to look like and if something's happening over your shoulder this happened with a a short film i was doing a a batman fan film oh i remember and uh I was over in this one side of the alley, and Lewis is over behind Madison Crafton, who had the Batman costume. And he's snapping photos, and he walks over after we're done shooting for the night. He goes, hey, I got this great shot for you. I was like, dude, <laughs> it's like, why didn't you tell me? I could have gotten that shot for the film. Yeah. I mean, literally, you get so caught up in what you think And you I was wanted. just thinking, I don't want to step on his toes. And again, that gets that back to that situation. we partnered up completely. We yeah. were just getting to know each other, and I didn't yeah. want to step on his toes. Yeah, and that gets back to the point where you get on set, you have no idea what you're going to see. I mean, you can try to plan and plan and plan, and then you get these what we call happy accidents when mm-hmm. they're there, and okay. then you just jump on them and use them. Well, Cindy, I'm going to, she's going to just about say this in tandem with me, and something Mark has heard too. As we I'm not now. <laughs> Your film is going to change. Oh, yeah. Three, three times. times. It's going to change in the writing process, it's going to change when you shoot it, it's going to change in the editing. Mm-hmm. because every step of that process you're continuing to create until you get film lock mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing it's a good thing that it's going through those changes but just because it's on the page you get on set things happen as Neil said the happy accidents that are really just fun moments the heart you want to whichever one you want to hop on the heart oh yeah Neil well oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
I had this scene uh, when I first find out about my daughter, you know, being gay, mm -hmm. and uh, we shot this at Sharon Dennis's house, and in the room she has, between the kitchen and that uh, sunroom, there was this little heart-shaped dinner bell, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe right. And nobody really noticed it anyway. I was doing my scene, and I accidentally hit it with my head. <laughs> and I just kept on going, and it was ringing, you know, and I sort of grabbed it. And I thought they were going to say cut or something, so right away, just do it again. And they didn't, so I just kept on going. We did it a number of times, but they thought, we can use the heart. Let's shoot the girls through the heart. Uh, and that was, that was not planned. Yeah, that I, was great. I remember you mentioning that on the last yeah. screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most cool moment. Moment. yeah, the moment he did that, we all, the reason we didn't yell cut, because we're all back there with our mouths open, just going, what a great moment this is. <laughs> and then we had to keep from laughing because it was such a great moment. And we're just letting him fly because he's in that heat of the moment. He's, he's yeah. given a good scene, and we're just like, <laughs> and of course we did do other takes and oh, he yeah. missed it every time <laughs> I, I, yes I tried to hit it every time and like, I, and I could, we got could. it it's alright it's kind of like a uh, we showed a film from a guy named James Kemp a few weeks ago. I don't know if yes. you were there for that. I awesome. can't remember if you were there or not. Uh, but basically, uh, this film, uh, this guy's kind of depressed, lost his job, lost his girlfriend, think, contemplating suicide, but he ends up running across a old childhood toy, which is a puppet. Uh, James Kemp's a puppet, uh, puppeteer. He mm -hmm. actually has done stuff for Avenue Q. Uh, so this puppet kind of talks him out of it. But in the early part of this film, after he loses his job, after he, I think he calls his dad and he has like a bad moment with his dad, he opens up the refrigerator and grabs a bottle of alcohol and starts uh, swigging it back. But as the door opens, there's a Serenity Now magnet on the on the refrigerator, and somebody brought that up later in the Q and A. Okay, I can't remember who it was. Uh, but yeah, the, I was like, how perfect is that? Yeah, the director had no idea it was even there some, until like I think somebody was watching it with maybe at a screening or mm -hmm. something, and they pointed out how perfect that was. Like, oh yeah. So it was like the house owner's magazine. That's, that's when the director goes, we met. We right. Did. Yeah. 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 No, the, no, the director was there. He, he admitted it. He was like, no, we did no, not know. The, the writer of this, okay, can we realize that it's just not my vision. This is a shared vision. And that's one thing I had to learn. Because that wedding scene in the film, it looks great. I didn't write that. I just wrote a few things. What Neil did and the slow motion and uh, the, some other special effects, it looks beautiful. Adds so much to the film. Yeah. yeah uh, like, uh, just uh, I guess we're getting close to the time I probably need to start setting up the room. Uh, <laughs> just trying to, I, I could talk to you guys all night. Um, just, I guess, to wrap up, talk about like getting into festivals because I know that's okay, something good, other, yeah. uh, other people will be curious about. And then kind of like, once you guys discuss that, kind of end things with maybe advice to anybody out there who wants to do this, but I maybe was very think they naive. could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought this is a great film. <laughs> All the festival is going to want it. No, not <laughs> quite. I submitted to sixty-seven festivals, oh, wow. and we got accepted to nine altogether. Wow. And I have nine more to find out. So, I didn't, I didn't even think about, I knew there were 67 the film festivals. Yeah. Okay. yeah, there's a tremendous number of film yeah. festivals out there. Yeah, I was film, told for every 25, you might get one. Yeah, film festivals <laughs> are very competitive these days. I mean, yeah, I especially ones that offer money, because so many people, have spent, like, like Mark, has, has spent money on their film, and it's a passion. 
but you want to kind of recoup some of that that you've spent. Yeah. You really have high hopes that you'll. you'll yeah, I have a lot of high hopes. But <laughs> these days, you've got you've got professional actors from Hollywood that are oh, making yeah. films. Mm -hmm. You know, their films are being submitted yes. to stuff like Alhambra, which is here in Evans, or you know, in Evansville. Mm -hmm. I mean, look. It's hard to compete when you've got those type of names and, and things like that because people get starstruck. Right, exactly. And you know they have that hope that those stars are going to show up at their festivals. And you know when they go through the judging process, that's part of something. I, I know that they may say that that's not going to play into it, but I guarantee it plays into it. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, so the festival circuit's just as competitive as just trying to get your film, you know, bought and released somewhere. It too. goes back to any contest. I don't care what the contest is. I don't care if it's a baby contest. I don't care what it is. It depends on what the judges had for breakfast, whether or not they like your stuff over somebody else's. Mm. It is absolutely that arbitrary. Yeah, some some judges only like horror movies. Yeah, you know, so so if that particular judge got this movie, they're not going to like it. They're yeah. not going to like the simplicity of the shots because, you know, this was a drama. It was about people. You didn't really need flying cameras going everywhere. Else. Right. You needed the story to carry it and the actors to carry it. Yeah. And that's that's kind of you know the approach that we took with it was let's let these guys add it. And one one last thing too that I'll say this is kudos to Mark and to Todd. The very first scene we shot was the scene when the fathers face off. Oh, wow. day one was that scene, and people behind the camera were holding back, choking back. So it's at that moment when you have that and you're shooting and it, it shoots past the lens and you feel it. Mm -hmm. You know you've got something. And what he and Todd brought to that scene was absolutely I was a great power. for sure. It was just awesome to watch. I have a question for you guys. How did you, in your planning the scenes, how did you come up with, okay, we have to do that scene that day, this scene this day? I'll let Lewis handle that because he does most of the day-to-day -day schedule. A lot of it has to do with figuring out what people's schedules are and when the locations are available. I try my best when I'm sitting down to do it. need to find out when everybody can make it on a certain day. Mm -hmm. And then you would not you would not believe the number of times it changes as I contact people. Well, I can't be there this day. I'm out of town this weekend. i got to be there. When you're doing it like this and you're not, you're not being able to get everybody together because you're not Hollywood, you have to deal with those things, and what you do is you just deal with them. And another reason we stretched it out for so long of a time is so we made sure we got good stuff. Don't rush it. Right. Don't say, well, I shot a feature film in five hours. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. you might I have, was in that one. <laughs> <laughs> you might have, but it might have suffered in some right. places. So we took 11 days to do it because we also had, you know, we took our time, so we had 10-hour days. That's what I set myself up for. I told them, I said, I'll work 12, and at the end of 12, I'm taking my toys and going home. I don't want to be here long. And even at the end of 11, you're still like, can we get enough? Yeah. You know, I mean, you feel like you have all the time in the world. But you just, have to, you just have to figure out how everybody can get there. And then you sit down and you put pencil and paper to it and you figure it out and you make your schedule. I'm sure the performance is better, too, when everybody's relaxed. Yeah. They're like, like right. if you're if you're on your If you're on your 18th hour... <laughs> you get you get panicked even if you're supposed well, to be relaxed in the we seat. We were shooting and he, we were on one for 18 and he, he was shaking. He had some, he's Lou, you're going to have to compete the camera. He said, I can't do this anymore. My pleasure. So I traded it off. Diabetic too, yeah. And that's why that was the day we both went, <laughs> no more of this. Right. <laughs> the film was great. Yeah. But man, we really suffered for our art on that one. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had to get up the next morning and shoot all day again. Was that this one? Or it was one of PJ's films. It was oh, actually Andy. Mine yeah, okay. decided so. And I love PJ, and I told him several times we've laughed about it. and said, you broke me. <laughs> PJ, if you're listening, we love you, but you broke us. <laughs> All right, uh, so any, like, are you going to still keep at it with the festivals? Are you going to get out on DVD anytime soon? Well, yes. Uh, I just submitted it to a DVD place to get it duplicated. Oh, cool. I'm making 200 copies. Nice. Uh, so I should have those soon. Yeah, we'll get one in here to check out. Yeah. 
Yeah, we. Uh, I'll, I'll mention it to our guy that orders the video. So okay. uh, yeah, whenever it's ready, let me know. Okay. Cool. It was a great experience. I mean, yes, it was a fantastic. Experience. I worked with Lewis and Neil before, and have always loved working with them, and wanted to do something bigger. And so it was finally a chance for me to do that and to work with Mark, who I've known for what feels like ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I wanted this. I thought, you know, here I'm in my mid late fifties. I thought, if I want to do this, I want to do this right, because you know, you never know what happens. And so I thought, I could I could have done it much cheaper with lesser experienced people but I thought I really want to do this right and I'm glad I did you know for my first one mm -hmm. um, because you learn a lot and you make these great friendships and connections and it's I mean it's just a wonderful experience a wonderful memory yeah I think all of us yeah, it seems, yeah. seems like everybody is, it seemed, seemed like a happy set just based on seeing the movie and everybody it was, was. I don't big ball of love. <laughs> no, but I, I do have to say this, and this, you'll laugh because the scene where the girls are arguing and mm -hmm. then they kiss, as we shot that scene, there wasn't a male who was on set who wasn't in the room with them. All the women are sitting back going, yeah, fine, all the guys, notice where they are. But all the guys are, and of course Ronnie's playing it up because she's got the sense of humor. Oh, yeah. She's just like, yeah, they're all in it. <laughs> but it was actually kind of it was actually a really really awesome experience and at the end of the day you've got a film which is another thing to let people know you don't have to do just the horror film I'm not knocking the genre you can do that if you want to but challenge yourself to do whatever you want to do if you've got a story idea for anything and it's five minutes long do it or seven minutes exactly <laughs> however long it has to be yeah. but just whatever the topic is take it and run don't, don't feel like you're limited because you're an independent filmmaker like James Cameron said you get a camera, you shoot a film, you make a film, you call yourself a director. After that, it's all about fee. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up uh, and get the room set up. Uh, I would plug tonight's event, but since this probably won't go up until next week, I guess that's <laughs> kind of pointless. But please, uh, please look unscripted up on uh, Facebook. We will. Uh, and a wedding like that. Yes. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna let you guys. Uh, See, that's why they keep me around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, that's the way to be. That's the way to be. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna like to end. We'll rotate around and let everybody plug what they're doing, what they got up next, and everything. But yeah, look unscripted up on Facebook. I'm gonna update it throughout the year. We're gonna try to do a semi-regular podcast and kind of keep the the name alive in people's hearts until the following season. So yeah, with that, uh, I guess we'll start with Cindy and go around. Uh, <laughs> do I? I have a lot going right now. I'm working on a. A uh, short film out of Bloomington called Siren that will debut um, April 30th. Um, tomorrow, which will be Sunday the 21st, I don't know when this is going to air, but i um, dropping a poster for a movie that's coming out very soon called Margot that I did um, last October. Um, I'm going to be in volumes of blood yes. horror stories in May, and those are the things that I can think of off the top of my head. So that's good. Um, I, I recently shot a sh film called The Money Tree, where I play a, a, a sheriff who's not very interested in being a sheriff, um, and I'm going to be directing another film I wrote uh, called A Lot of Life, about an older couple who get a visit from the angel of death, but they don't play along. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's for us. <laughs> right now what I'm doing is producing a show called Ag Life. It's a 30-minute uh, agricultural-based lifestyle show, you could say, that airs 6.30s on WHT and WTVW. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun show, so you should check it out. But Lewis and I are also have the plans to finally put everybody else's scripts down and, and start focusing on something for us this, this year. I mean, hopefully that we can we can hammer out an idea and, and get something, even if it's a three-minute short at this point. And Lewis may actually have more ideas than what I have. So. Well, I know we've still got another script that we're working on that we're hoping to turn into something much larger that we really can't talk about right now. We've been kicking around for a couple of years now. We just haven't had the time to sit down and write it. Or I'll just be honest with you, I haven't started it. Because normally we bounce back and forth is how we write as partners. And as far as that goes, we'll see where that turns out to be. But I'm looking forward to whatever we can come up with now to turn something out this year. Cool. So all your advice about just writing it. Yeah, you have to take you have to do it yourself. <laughs> I know. The problem is, it's like I had so much other stuff going on. I was like, well, I need to write. Yeah. I've been writing so much other stuff. Well, then you spoiled this, Mark. I mean, so. you, you know, we've had scripts written for us for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more. The podcast was recorded live to Akon on the third floor of the library. Thanks to our guests for chatting, you for listening, and Big Fresh and Luxury Elite for providing our opening and closing themes. You'll find more excellent music from them on Bandcamp. BigFresh.bandcamp.com, LuxuryElite.bandcamp.com.